Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show with your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. As we head into our third year of the Great American Senior Show, we're asking our worldwide audience to drop us a note with your name and location, and we'll give you a shout-out. Now, let's find out today's latest news on the Great American Senior Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and today we're looking at visionary. And I know you're scratching your head right now going, visionary? What the heck are you talking about? Well, my guest is going to explain that and what it means, why it's important, and how she is involved in it. And there's sort of a, a play on words there, too, that I, I like to, to sometimes use. But to get to that explanation, it is my pleasure to introduce Jennifer Drago. Now, Jennifer has some important credentials that you need to know about. Lifetime Fellowship of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Mm -hmm. And I'll, instead of giving you the initials, just say it out. Uh, Master of Science in Healthcare Administration, if I recall that one right, and an MBA. Mm -hmm. So she has a lot of uh, nomenclature behind her name, but what is most important is where she is focusing a lot of her attention. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Jennifer, welcome to our program. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. You know, for those that follow the program, they know that, all right, right at the top of the show, Sam is always going to ask about uh, the guest background. So please tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, I've had the pleasure of working in both healthcare and senior living um, industry sectors for 30, and now I'm going on like 33 years, but I'm 33 years in the corporate space. Um, a lot of that time in strategy and planning for those organizations, um, both hospital systems and senior living organizations, as well as um, on the operational side. So I've done a little bit of both and, um, you know, really interested in um, the sustainability aspects of both of these sectors. And when I say sustainability, I mean the financial sustainability um, of these sectors. So what I do today is I'm a consultant and I help uh, with strategic planning and feasibility analyses for new programs and services. I also do a good amount of work on the governance side, working with boards of these types of organizations, um, many of them nonprofit boards. And so um, ba they're balancing mission-based services with margin and, again, trying to get to that financial sustainability, which has been a little bit elusive, to be honest, over the past couple of years with COVID. We've recovered from an occupancy perspective, but have you know lots of expense challenges to deal with as well. And I would I would say right at the beginning here for those in our audience uh, who are seniors listening, but a large part of our audience is also uh, the caregivers, the care providers, the businesses, the not-for-profits. How can they get in touch with you? Thanks so much. Yeah. So the a um, couple different ways. Uh, my website is peaktoprofit.com, and I imagine you'll probably put that in the show notes. Um, they can email me at jennifer at peaktoprofit.com, or I'm also on LinkedIn, and um, you can find me. There's not very many Jennifer Dragos, but um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, and I'll give you that link as well for the show notes, and you can always just message me there. 
All right. And, you know, I'm going to get into peak for profit because that is the core of the business that, that really drives your mission forward. Um, but you also piqued my curiosity. You do a podcast and a radio show. Tell us about that. Senior Living Visionaries is a podcast that was started last year, and it's curated for senior living executives predominantly, um, but those who serve seniors as well. And the idea is bringing forth um, the great work of innovators, disruptors in our field, and those that have best practices to share. And the reason I started this was all around that financial sustainability. How can we strengthen our industry? And with the thought that, you know, the rising tide, um, you know, raises all boats and uh, just share our information far and wide with one another. So that's the reason for the podcast. And um, yeah, I feature lots of great um, innovators of thinkers on there um so it's uh it's great you can and you can find that podcast on my website but also at seniorlivingvisionaries.com you know i have to say that when i went to your website and i was checking out everything uh that i saw a lot of the people who are contributors to what you are doing uh, via the podcast and i was blown away these when you say visionaries and leaders they really are. And if you listen to them, as I hope that a lot of uh, healthcare administrators and those in our segment do, you're going to come away going, wow, that's important. I wish I had thought about that. But wait a minute. Now that I've got that little nugget of information, how can I implement it? And I think that might be where you can play a huge role. Yes, me and um, you know many of my guests serve as consultants or thought leaders in this um, industry. And again, you know, we just want folks to be well educated. We want their board members to be well educated. Senior living is a complex space, and we um, have a huge demographic shift occurring, as we know, with the silver tsunami. We know today we don't have enough brick and mortar or even community-based services to serve that population. So now's the time to get, you know, to fortify our resources and build strength around uh, the work that we do. You know, I, and I have to say that I just uh, earlier today participated in a, a strategic discussion in the hospital sector as as it relates to not just seniors but uh hospital patients overall and something that you mentioned earlier was really instrumental in being a game changer in how the healthcare industry operates today covid mm -hmm. it changed everything fair statement oh fair statement yeah and and um you know i have i have um aging parents who are um, in and out of the healthcare system and also senior living residents right now. And I have to say a lot of those changes um, are really positive and in the best interests of what we do. Um, lots of things, of course, added additional layers of regulation and sometimes expense to the work that we do. So um, it had to make us stronger as um, an industry, both on the healthcare side and the senior living side. Something we talked about prior to the show uh, happened during COVID, and that is a lot of our seniors, especially in care facilities, found that they were a little isolated. Uh, mm -hmm. People I know in trying to go and do the things that I normally would do with seniors, you know, I was stopped at the door. You you can't come in. No mask, uh, even with the mask. You just we're we're not allowing people to come. 
There was an isolationism that uh, developed with many of our seniors. Uh, and I, I think coming out of that, some of them still that, that I'm running into today still feel that isolation. Are you getting any of that feedback uh, from your administrators and others? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, the positive thing that happened is that um, seniors became a lot more tech savvy during COVID. You know, they learned how to Zoom with their family. They learned, um, you know, different technological um, things like Zoom or webinars where they could still feel connected. And many of those things continue today, right? So there's, you know, there's isolation um, that can occur in a senior living community. Um, but it, it, there shouldn't, there's really not a reason for it, right? Because we know the activities have resumed and there's this whole virtual world now that we all have access to. Now, somebody who's living in their own home, that's a little more challenging. Um, they really need to take it upon themselves to not be isolated. But again, um, the virtual options that are out there abound. Um, but all that said, Sam, I agree with you that still isolation is an issue for our seniors, and it absolutely, as you know, affects their health and their wellness and their quality of life. So um, whatever we can do as an industry to try to decrease that isolation um, is something I think we should all be focused on. A little sidebar for our audience, Jen is located in Arizona. A number of years ago, I was doing some consulting in Arizona. Uh, with, uh, well, I guess I can say it, Hospice of the Valley and the director there said, you know, Sam, uh, we have to watch the trends that are developing and forecast for our seniors. And I was like, Susan, what do you, what do you mean by that? And she said, do you know that in my early days, the music in our facilities could be best described as elevator music or Montavani? Do you know, as we age, our seniors are going to be listening to rock and roll and some of the hard rock? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you are right, because that's what they grew up on. And mm -hmm. I, where I'm going with that is trends. What mm -hmm. do you see from your perspective as trends for seniors, the institutions, and I hate to use that word, but the facilities that care for them? What do you see as some of the emerging trends here in early 2024? It's a great question. We are dealing with so many um, trends, right? We already talked about the demographic shift, the fact that 10,000 people are turning 65 each and every day. Um, and fairly soon, our seniors will outnumber the number of caregivers that we have in traditional ages, right? So one of the trends that we see, and it's not a positive trend from an operator perspective, is a shortage in caregiving. Uh, we need more caregivers of all ages to work with us. And so what that's forced providers to do is be really creative about how they recruit, uh, train, and retain uh, their caregiving staff, because that's going to be important, whether you're in a community or whether you're living in your home and you need services um, of a caregiver in your home. 70% um, of seniors, folks who are 65 and above today, will need some kind of long-term care in the course of their year. That's a national statistic. And the bulk of that care is provided by caregivers. So that's the first trend that we see that um, is... Uh, we're still working on, I mean, as a as a, an industry. Um, another trend is that we know that folks who are turning 65 today are much different 
so socioeconomically than the generation that preceded them. And um, so we have a greater number of middle income, we call them middle market um, seniors who are now coming into our um, marketplace. And what we find um, is that many providers uh, either serve the high end through continuing care retirement communities, or they have affordable housing options. And the middle market tends to not qualify for the affordable housing options, and they can't afford the higher. Um, so we know there's a shortage, uh, and and it will be very significant by the year 2030 of this middle market housing product. And so we need to get really creative. And of course, now um, they, we have other challenges of interest rates and, you know, construction costs. <laughs> um, so we have this double whammy where we uh, we as an industry have to get very creative to serve this middle market. And a lot of that is going to be through home and community based services. Let's face it. Most seniors want to stay at home. Uh, and age in place. And as uh, an industry, we're seeing more services developed to help that happen. And, and we need even more, and we need to keep them affordable for that middle market. Um, so that's just a few of the trends that are affecting our industry. Um, I also mentioned, you know, construction and interest rates. And so, um, it's been harder to develop brick and mortar over the last couple of years. Um, and so that's another area where senior living providers are getting more creative and they're going out and looking for distressed assets, as an example, so such that um, they can repurpose those and perhaps renovate them versus building from the ground up. And I have to say that's excellent observation. We're seeing some of that same thing happen here in Florida. Florida and Arizona, actually, in, in many respects, similar with the population of the aging people go to Arizona to retire uh, a lot of them people come to Florida to grow old uh, some of our politicians say it's our our largest crop we're growing old people and, yeah. you know I cringe every time I hear that but <laughs> but it's true uh, and one of the things that we're seeing and uh, in the housing industry uh, and I and I work also with the National Association of Home Builders because they've seen a tremendous increase in the number of contractors who are specializing in that aging in place. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're seeing more and more 55 plus, almost 65, 55 plus rental communities because mm -hmm. mom and dad, you know, they're getting older, they can't stay in the bigger house, but they can't afford to sell it and go somewhere else. So uh, challenges uh, abound. It's and and I don't know that there's a uh, a solution, total solution on the horizon. But you're you're close on it, I think. Well, one of the things that I think has been really um, eye opening to me in the last ten years are the development of programs that um, help people to age in place. And so, you know, say that you can't afford to stay in your own home because you own it, or you have a very small mortgage left, or even if you choose to be in a rental community. One of the best things that people can do is invest in um, people or services that can help them age in place. Um, in the program that I uh, 
uh, left just about two and a half years ago, we had what was called a continuing care at home program. And um, in that program, we had wellness coordinators. So each person was assigned to a personal wellness coordinator who was a registered nurse or a social worker, a seasoned person who had worked with seniors with our age group for many years. And the purpose of having that personal wellness coordinator is they get to know you when you're healthy and independent and they help you stay that way. They make sure that you know about age appropriate screenings that you should have. Um, if you do have issues that come up with your health, they help you navigate the healthcare system, make sure that you see the right specialist for whatever condition. If you have chronic conditions, which let's face it, um, most seniors today have not just one chronic condition, but multiple chronic conditions. They help educate you on how best to keep your health stable within that chronic condition, how to eat, what to what to monitor in terms of your vital signs on a regular basis, when to go to the doctor, not to wait too long. And so having that kind of expertise in your corner can be really invaluable to someone who really does want to remain independent and in, in their home. Um, if any, if any of your listeners have been a caregiver when a, a parent or other family member has had a health challenge, um, it can be very confusing and frustrating, um, not knowing where to turn to help your loved one. And um, this person that I'm describing does that and so much more. Um, and so having a person like that in your corner is going to be really helpful. So for those who choose to move into adapt active adult communities, whether it's rental or owned properties, um, I would look for that type of service. I think you're going to see that offered more and more. Sometimes it's also called the healthcare concierge. And um, and don't um, undervalue the that type of service because it, it can be so helpful to help people remain healthy and independent. You know, putting on your coach, your business coach, and your strategist, strategist hat Take a look and give me a scenario or just an opinion on the business of caring for the aging. It takes a certain leadership, a certain leader to be in that business. Are you seeing our leaders of tomorrow coming up through the ranks that are that are powerful, dynamic leaders? Or do we yet need to do some recruiting into that industry, training into that industry? It's a great question. And I think we're we're um, seeing more talent in our leadership ranks and we still need to grow it. So what has happened in the last couple of years, especially I think COVID accelerated it a little bit. We had a number of older leaders that were getting ready to retire and a number of younger leaders that were um, ready to move into those ranks. And, and here's the challenge. Uh, you know, I mentioned I've worked in healthcare, hospital administration, and senior living. Well, when I went into hospital administration, and still today, there are specific graduate programs that you go into to learn about the complexities of healthcare administration. And, you know, and I would say what I found in senior living is that the complexities are very similar, but the preparation for those leaders isn't there. So they have to find it in different ways. And a lot of it is on the job learning. So um, yes, I do think that uh, we need to 
to grow the leadership. And we have some fantastic leaders as well that can serve as uh, mentors. And, and we have great leadership academies at our National Trade Association leading age. So that's all great news. Um, but it is it is a complex environment. And we, we, you know, we're not just building brick and mortar to house people um in in sad situations we are promoting vibrancy and independence and all those things and um yes programmatically that's you know means a lot of things but i think in terms of that wellness that's what you're seeing um really grow and strengthen in the senior living sector is how can we help people remain as healthy and independent as they really want to be and I think that is, you know, super important. So for uh, those who are listening right now, uh, especially if you're in the business side of this, uh, I think that's that's critical that you keep that in mind. And, and one more time, Jennifer, how may someone get in touch with you? Because uh, the, if we don't have people stepping forward like you, then, you know, our, our look at this industry is just going to run into roadblock after roadblock. How can they get in touch with you? Yes. So the easiest way is uh, just by email. It's Jennifer with two N's at peak2profit.com. That's P-E-A-K-T-O profit.com or through my website, peak2profit.com. So that's that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Jennifer, I have to say that first off, uh, for our audience, it's taken a while for Jennifer and I to to make this program happen. It's you know, uh, New Year uh, scheduling and everything else, and I have to say it has certainly been worthwhile. But my last question, because we've covered a lot, we still have a lot to talk about, is the most important question of the entire program. Can you come back for another episode? I would love to. I would love to. Yes, I would love to. And especially there's so much um, innovation um, happening and disruption happening in senior living. I think we definitely could have another episode. Looking forward to it. Jennifer Drago, Peak to Profit. It has been my pleasure to have you here on our program today, The Great American Senior Show. This is how we like to think that we're making a difference. And you know what? I know we're making a difference. So thank you for being here on the program today. You bet. It's my pleasure. And I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show. Until our next episode, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Great American Senior Show, America's favorite podcast devoted to the health, welfare, education, and information for seniors of all ages. Our audience has grown into the thousands thanks to loyal listeners just like you. Remember the Great American Senior Show for the news you need to know. Have a great day, everybody.